How you doing, babe? I am ready to do this, I think. Yeah. <laughs> How are you doing? You look I'm, stressed over there. No, I'm not stressed. I'm just worn out. It has been a week. Yeah. It's my last week before school starts. It's my last week of summer. Yeah. And uh, I'm not, I'm excited about school starting, but it was a really good summer. This was like our first summer in this house since moving home. It was just a great summer. Yeah. It has been a good summer. I think we have two weeks left before the kids and I start school. So you're like just a little bit ahead of us on having to end summer. And it is sad, but exciting for a fresh start for all of us. Yeah. It came fast. It feels like, like literally we just did the episode on Save Your Summer. No, I hope no one asks us to follow up on that because I think we only did two of the three things. It's pretty good. I'll take that. Yeah. Hello, I'm Chuck. And I'm Ellen. And this is Imperfect Family, where we try to pursue biblical, theological, and creative ways to uphold the supremacy of God in marriage and parenting. This podcast is mostly unscripted, and it's just the two of us trying to work through and talk through issues that Christian families might face. Today's episode is a book review, the Jesus Storybook Bible. Okay, well, we're going to try something we have never done before. We were kicking around some ideas for this episode, you know, and that conversation is always hard because we just never know what to talk about. And then something just came across our minds. Yeah, this is a book that we love. I mean, from the first time we read it, we're like, man, there's just something special about the way that these Bible stories are told, both for children and for adults. Like, I know I read it and I'm like, wow, I never thought about that story in that way and how it specifically points to Christ, and it's just done in a really great way, and it's just been honestly a treasure in our home and in our parenting, and so we just kind of want to talk through why we enjoy it so much um, and just kind of highlight some of our favorite stories within that book. Yeah, and so right up front, we'll tell you we're not endorsed by Sally Lloyd-Jones or I don't even know who published it, Zonder Kids, Zondervan. Nope, no relation. We're just this is just a great book, and we wanted to kind of talk about why we like it and just go through maybe some of our favorite stories in it and how we use it in our family. So, what is it? Well, it's a book of Bible stories, and there are tons of books like this. I mean, countless books of children's Bible stories, but there's a specific reason why we like the Jesus Storybook Bible the best. Yeah, a lot of the resources out there for children just kind of keep the, the Bible stories simply as stories. And they're things that are difficult to just see the humanity of the people in the stories. Like these stories actually happened. And these are people who we can learn from throughout history. And it's not just like, oh, Noah built a big boat and you know God saved his family. We can learn from him specifically because he was a real man who lived, who we're blessed to be able to read about in the scriptures. And I think that Jesus Storybook Bible does a great job of just making these stories so real and just speaking truth through each story and pointing every single story, even the Old Testament one, just pointing them straight to Christ and helping your children to see that every single story in the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, whispers the name of Jesus. Hey, you're stealing from the book. 
<laughs> was that plagiarism right there? Plagiarism. I was trying uh, to like give her a little salute, not like yeah. steal her words. Yeah. So, I, man, I hate to say this, but just to piggyback off what you said, like, there's I have an issue with a lot of the children's Bibles out there. Like, they just tell the Bible stories. There's no, there's nothing else. It's just a story. It's almost like a fairy tale. Like, hey, look, that Adam and Eve were in the garden, and the snake came along. Or the one with Adam and Eve, or Joseph and his amazing little jacket, you know? And like maybe one of the most hard to admit culprits of this is Veggie Tales. Like, I grew up on Veggie Tales. I love Veggie Tales, but all of those stories are stories about bravery or about being patient or they're just like life lessons for kids. I mean, trust me, I love silly songs with Larry and I love uh, most of those old movies and i would still play for my kids but at the end of the day they're missing something huge yeah it just doesn't take it all the way it's it's like they have step one right like yes we need to be patient but they don't tie that back to the scriptures like jesus tells us to be patient right right and like so with the classic example that i've brought up i think on this podcast definitely on the community devotional multiple times is like the example of david and goliath it's a lot of times told to children as a story about bravery, about being bold, about being um, a light in the darkness or whatever. Or even the pun of like facing your giants. Yeah, yeah, like overcoming your problems. Like is all of that in the story of David and Goliath? Sure, we can pull that out. But really, let me kind of frame it the way I think it should be framed. There's an enemy that's standing against us that we can never conquer. We're hopeless against him and then suddenly someone else comes he doesn't wear the king's armor he's a shepherd he stands in between us and this huge enemy he wins he conquers the giant all of god's people bow down before him and hail him as the king i mean i was really tongue-in-cheek about how i described that but I mean, can we all see the parallel to who Jesus is on our behalf? But a lot of times it's completely missed. And why would we, why would we teach these stories from scripture to our children and only give them part of the story and the part that's not the part that needs to be taught? I know you and I recently-ish, a few months ago, we were visiting a church and actually the sermon was about David and Goliath. And it was so similar to the children's story that you just described of face your life's giants and, you know, put on your armor and whatever. And you and I walked out and we're like, man, how sad that this is something that adults even sometimes don't see that in the story, Jesus is being whispered throughout that story. So I think it's a skill that we need to come alongside our children and help them learn how to see that in these stories. And I think Jesus Storybook Bible is a great resource for that so that when they grow up to be adults, they're not missing it then either. Because if you don't learn to do this as a kid, you're not going to do it as an adult. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about how we use this in our family. Not to beat a dead horse, but we (laughs) use this resource during family worship a lot. You know, even when the kids were little, the stories are short enough that they'll sit through and listen Um, And then as they're getting older, we can read those same stories, but maybe have a little bit more in-depth conversation of, you know, what what did you think of this? Or how did you see Jesus in this story, even though Jesus' name was not explicitly mentioned? 
Um, and it's just a good launching point for some good conversations as a family. Yeah, this doesn't replace the Bible for our family, but it definitely helps in giving to our children short little nuggets of truth. So when the kids are really young, we only use the Jesus Storybook Bible. The art in it is so cool. Um, the stories are three or four pages, and it was just a great part of our family worship. And as they've gotten older, now we do Jesus Storybook Bible, and then we might read the actual passage from the Bible um, for our kids and talk through it with them. So that's how we've used it. Uh, I would not tell you to like take, take the Jesus Storybook Bible and replace scripture. Um, so even when they were really little, we would read Jesus Storybook Bible and then practice memorizing scripture as a family. Like we always want to have the Bible before our children. And so we don't want to make, sh- we don't want to make this Jesus Storybook Bible replace that in any way. But it's been a really, really helpful tool and our kids absolutely love it. I mean, they're not the only ones. We really enjoy it too. Like you said, the artwork is beautiful. The way it's written is beautiful. Like it's just enjoyable all around. And the fact that it comes from the stories that are in scripture, it's not just fiction. It's not fiction. It's something that um, comes from the word of God is just all around. It's a beautiful piece of literature. Yeah, it is. You know what? Like I've had this conversation with you before, like this would be a a great book that should be updated for adults, like because the way the Bible, it's the whole Bible is presented is a great entryway for new believers, like to just understand how the Bible is put together, why it's put together the way it is, how it all points to Jesus, no matter what story is there, like it's all arcing towards one thing. Um, but it's written for children. So it'd be weird to like hand this to a 30 year old and be like, hey, Welcome to the faith. (laughs) But honestly, like if you could actually get them to read it, like if you could get over, like this is a children's book, if they actually would read it, like the truth that's there and the way it's presented just makes it so attainable of, yeah, I can be reading about Moses um, who lived before Jesus came to earth, but I can see in every story that's told about him, how it's pointing directly to Christ coming and being the sacrifice for our sins. Yeah, I love it. Okay, so for, I guess, the last part of this review, like we just want to share some of our favorite stories in the Jesus story of the Bible. So, and it was hard to choose because honestly, there's, <laughs> I mean, I don't think there's any that I dislike. I mean, there's, they're Bible stories. So they're all great, but it was hard to narrow it down and not be like, let's talk about this story. Mm-hmm. Oh, and this one too. Like we really had to work to like whittle down which ones we were going to present today, Yeah, which I think is a good problem to have. Yeah. So to tell you how hard it was, I couldn't pick one. So I have two that I equally like. Cheater. I know. I know, but they're both so you good. You made me come with only one prepared and you're coming with two. I'm so jealous. So my if I had to pick one of the two, it's probably the way she presents the Noah story. Uh, so so good. Um, a lot of the kids' Bibles out there are like, oh, look how cute. It's a, a boat with animals and whatever. Like, really, the story of Noah is a story of judgment. I mean, the world is wiped out because of their sin. And she doesn't shy away from that in this story. And she brings out really strongly how God judged the world for their wickedness, but then um, in an amazing way describes the promise, the covenant that, sh- that God makes with Noah at the end through the rainbow. And so let me just read, read it for you because it's, 
I just want to give you guys a flavor of how she writes and the perspective of how these Old Testament stories all point forward. So this is when God puts the rainbow in the, um, in the sky. And the first thing God did was make another promise. I won't ever destroy the world again. And like a warrior who puts away his bow and arrow at the end of a great battle, God said, see, I have hung my bow up in the clouds. And there in the clouds, just where the storm meets the sun, was a beautiful bow made of light. It was a new beginning in God's world. It wasn't long before everything went wrong again, but God wasn't surprised. He knew this would happen. That's why, before the beginning of time, he had another plan, a better plan. A plan not to destroy the world, but to rescue it. A plan to one day send his only son, the rescuer. God's strong anger against hate and sadness and death would come down once more but not on his people or his world, no. God's war bow was not pointing down at his people. It was pointing up into the heart of heaven. Ellen's got tears in her eyes. <laughs> I do, and I, I was like bracing myself for like, he's about to say the bow's pointing to heaven. I was like, I was bracing myself for that. I knew it was coming, but I get tears in my eyes every single time I read that. It's, just, yeah. it's beautiful how it's written, um, and it's, we first read the Jesus Storybook Bible. We were like in our late 20s when we had our first son. And that's when we started reading this Bible. And I remember reading that story for the first time and just being like, it's so blatantly obvious that that's what this story in the Bible is doing. But I never thought about it that way. Like, I just felt, honestly, I felt foolish that I had never seen that part of the story in that way. Um, but now that I see it, it just like every time I read it, it it gives me chills and brings tears to my eyes. Like I'm just so thankful that that's how God planned it and that he gave us that representation of the rainbow to be reminded of that consistently. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there's the big stories in the Old Testament, obviously, like the ones we can all name, but she doesn't shy away from some of the more obscure stories. So my second favorite one comes from one of the obscure stories, and it's the story of Ezra and Nehemiah after the people of God have come back from exile and they're back in their land and Ezra brings out the law before God's people and he starts to read it and they all start to cry. Like it says that they start literally wailing because Ezra's reading the law and they realize how bad they have been at keeping the law and how angry God must be with them. And Ezra said, and Ezra, uh, sees this and he says he like he stops reading the law completely and they have a festival instead um and so what Sally Lloyd Jones does is she kind of distills this period down and retells scripture and the word of God to the Israelite people during this time and um says this so um God wants us to be happy Ezra said all day they listened to stories about the wonderful things God had done for his people, how he had made the world, how he had gave a special promise to Abraham, how he rescued them from slavery, how he spoke to Moses and showed them how to live, how he brought them to this special land, how he rescued them no matter what, time after time, over and over again, because of his never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. They remembered how God had always, all through the years, been loving his children, keeping his promise to Abraham, taking care of them, forgiving them even when they disobeyed, even when they ran away from him, even when they thought they didn't need him anymore. 
Then God told his children something more. I can't stop loving you. You are my heart's treasure, but I lost you. Now I am coming back for you. I am like the sun that gently shines on you, chasing away darkness and fear and death. You'll be so happy. You'll be like little calves running free in an open field. I am going to send you my messenger, the promised one, the one you have been waiting for, the rescuer. He is coming, so get ready. Oh, so good. You know what I, I've never noticed until this time that I was just listening to you read? I love that even taking truth about who Jesus is and kind of bringing it to a child's level, that she uses the word rescuer instead of savior. Because mm-hmm. savior just, I don't know, for a kid maybe that's just a little bit hard to grasp, like what do I need saving from? Mm-hmm. But for some reason that word rescuer, like it's just, it's used so well of like, you know, we need rescued. And a kid just can grasp onto that and just see that that's who Jesus is. He is our rescuer. And I've never noticed that that word is used there until you just read yeah. it. It's so good. Yeah. That, what is it? Never stopping, never giving up, always and forever love is yeah. used like all the time throughout the book to just show that this love that God has never goes away, even when God's people are turning against him. So, yeah. Uh, and it's so good. Like, it's not, she could have so easily just said, like, oh, it's, never ending. And that is true. But, you know, the fact that she has that list of it's never stopping, it's never giving up, it's unbreaking, it's always, it's forever. Like, it's it's almost got like a sing-songy thing to it. Mm-hmm. And it gets stuck in your kid's head and they just know this truth of no matter what, Jesus's love is there. And I yeah. think that's so great. Right. Well, what's your favorite story, my dear? Well, you stole mine because Noah is actually my favorite. As you saw from me getting emotional a few minutes ago, it's so good. Um, but I also, and this one might make me cry too, it's so good. Um, but I love the way that she presents Jesus's crucifixion. Um, there are just some things that she does there, which obviously that story is about Jesus. It's pointing to Jesus. That's easy for us to see. But the way that she uses some imagery here, I just think is, it just drives it home a little bit more for kids. And I think it's really great. This is... Um, right after Jesus actually dies. And it says, even though it was midday, a dreadful darkness covered the face of the world. The sun could not shine. The earth trembled and quaked. The great mountains shook and rocks split in two until it seemed that the whole world would break apart, that creation itself would tear apart. The full force of the storm of God's fierce anger at sin was coming down on his own son instead of on his people. It was the only way that God could destroy sin and not destroy his children whose hearts were filled with sin. Then Jesus shouted out in a loud voice, It is finished. And it was. He had done it. Jesus had rescued the whole world. Father, Jesus cried, I give you my life. And with a great sigh, he let himself die. Strange clouds and shadows filled the sky, purple, orange, and black, like a bruise. Probably the best thing about that and other parts of the book is that you actually feel the emotion we're supposed to feel. Like when Jesus is crucified, we're supposed to be sad about that. You know, and like, because we're in our 30s now and we've celebrated 30 Easter's, like we just lose that sometimes. And like teaching our kids that this is such a sad event, especially because almost the entire Jesus Storybook Bible is the Old Testament pointing to Jesus, pointing to Jesus, pointing to Jesus, pointing to Jesus. And then he's killed. Um, I could see why it's one of your favorites. Yeah, it's so good. And I mean, again, she just pulls this back like 
we saw in the story that you read that Jesus is the rescuer. And then this is just where it all ties together when it says Jesus had rescued the whole world. Yeah, I love it. So, all right, you guys check it out. I would highly recommend you order it, read it, even if you don't have kids. It's just or if you've read book. it already, read it again. Like it's a, it's a beloved resource in our house. Um, I think you just said you finished reading it last week and you didn't even read it to the kids. You just read it. Uh, actually, I didn't read it. I listened to the audiobook. Oh, um, which is also it's awesome. It's so good. We got it for free. Like there was like a free giveaway and we got it. And it's, you know who it's read by? Fun fact. It's read by the bad guy in Harry and the Hendersons. <laughs> <laughs> what Isn't a he, throwback. I know. All our listeners are like, what's Harry and the Hendersons? Uh, yeah. It's, uh, his name's David Suchet, I think is how you say his name. And he's amazing at reading this book. I, I listen to a lot of audiobooks and I usually listen to them at like two and two and a half speed just to blow through them. And like this one, no way. One just normal speed, letting him just tell the stories. And it's so good. Yeah, I love it. So, hey, buy it, buy the audiobook. Great for car rides. And yeah, Jesus Storybook Bible, one out of five. What do you give it? Oh, I give it, it's five all I can give it. I give it way more than that. 10 yeah. out of five. You can't give it 10 out of five. You can give it <laughs> It's five. that good. No, 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 no. Like Fine. Five it's out of five. Five out of five. I'll, yeah. I'll do that. <laughs> okay. We love it so much even that I think we're going to do a giveaway. Am I allowed to say that right now? Yeah. So we are going to do a giveaway. So if you want to enter to get this copy, uh, send us a private message on Facebook or Instagram. It doesn't matter which one. Um, and if you've read it, tell us what your favorite story is. And that'll be your entry. And if you haven't read it, just what is your favorite Bible story? It doesn't have to be from Jesus Storybook Bible. Just what is your favorite Bible story? Perfect. I love it. Um, we'll put a post up on Instagram, Facebook, all that. But um, yeah, enter it. We've got a copy that we would just love to send you. All right. Did you bring me a question for today? I did. You know what? Um, so I had mentioned before that um, John Piper's list of questions, a lot of them aren't applicable to our lives because we're already married. So, um, you know, most, like I would say most of the 70 questions aren't applicable. And so I don't know what episode this is, but we're, we're starting to run out of questions that like we could have a long conversation about, but I found one that I thought was interesting. <laughs> okay. So the question was, do we eat out? And if we do, where? It's under like the finances and budget. I thought you were going to say that the question was like, how often should we eat out? Like I was like mentally preparing myself for that question. Yeah. But where do we eat out? Oh, I think it is how often. Let's oh. change it if it is. How often do we eat out? And if we do, where? Hmm. For us, it's pretty rare that we go out to eat and like sit in a restaurant and eat. I mean, there are five of us in our family like that just... The tab adds up pretty quick, even if, you know, we're splitting meals and whatever. So, um, yeah, when we do eat out, it's typically something that we can just kind of grab and go. Sometimes that means we come home and eat it or go eat it at the park and like make a picnic event out of it to still have it be like an experience. Um, but how often? I'm embarrassed to admit how often we grab dinner to go. Um, I think that... I would want this to be like once every other week or once a month, but we do it more often than that. And it makes it to be that it doesn't end up being a special thing. It ends up being like this convenience crutch of like, oh, we're out running errands. We'll just grab something and 
eat it at the park because that'll be fun. <laughs> Man, yeah, I like, I hate fast food. We, I hate we both it. do. Why do we eat it? Oh my gosh, I can't, it, it doesn't even taste good. Like, even our kids are like, this kind of makes my stomach hurt. <laughs> like, yeah, it's such, it's just laziness. It's just pure convenience and laziness. But I, I do like, I like eating out, but like going out to a restaurant and eating. But um, yeah, same thing. Usually the food is terrible uh, wherever we go. I don't think we've always felt that way. I think as we have gotten older, it just, maybe because we've done it too often, I think that the novelty has worn off a little bit for us. And it just, we enjoy maybe instead of eating out, like we're going to eat at home, but let's have our friends come over and like dine with us or something is a way more enjoyable experience than I going like, out. I like that idea, but we don't really do that much. You know what? You know what I would like is, so here's, here's something that we do. Um, once a month, the first Tuesday of every month, it's guys night. It's wing night at B-dubs. And for your guys at church. For guys at church. So we all meet up on uh, Tuesday nights. Cause it's like half half price and we have wings and it's once a month and it's great i look forward to it every time and we went to b-dubs as a family once and it was like super expensive for all five of us to eat and i literally left going that was not worth it it wasn't even good whatever but wing night with the guys is always great like so it's know. the fellowship that you enjoy not the dining out experience yeah itself. but also like if i did it every tuesday I wouldn't go. Yeah, it wears out quick. Yeah, but once a month is kind of nice. Yeah, I think that that would be a good idea of like, let's set like once a month, like, you know, first Saturday of every month as a family, we go out. That might, maybe, maybe we'll start enjoying it again. <laughs> I like it. All right, what's, uh, what's, let's wrap this episode up. What's, what's the quote you got for me? So today it's, it's not so much a quote, but it's, um, I was thinking through how do we help our kids move beyond reading just children's Bible stories. You know, our oldest is six now and he can read pretty well independently. And so one of the things we have him do every day is read his Bible. But like, how do you teach children to like do that well without having to like sit next to them and be like, what does this verse mean? And so I came across this article and it was just this cute little acronym that I wanted to run by you. I know there's lots of like methods out there to teach to children but this one is the acronym is r-e-a-d read how to read the bible so it's read engage apply and discuss and so i'm just thinking through like is that method helpful if you teach those four steps well to your child does that help develop in them independent bible reading Hmm. i like it um yeah i think the so for adults what a lot of times we teach is observe interpret apply so read the text, observe what it says, try to figure out what it's saying, so interpret it, and then the last part is take whatever you've interpreted and try to apply it to your life. And that's how we teach adults to read the Bible at a very basic level for themselves devotionally. But with kids, it's a lot harder to do that because, I mean, they don't know how to apply stuff. They probably can't even really interpret it well. So adding in that last part of discuss seems super important. Yeah. So the way that it, it's written here is just like give them a piece of paper, you know, if they're a, if they're old enough to know how to write as well and just have them write down quickly, like any questions you have or maybe a word you didn't know or or just maybe I didn't understand anything I read today. And at the end of it, then bring it to mom and dad or whoever 
and yeah, just discuss like, hey, this is what I think it meant. Am, am I right? Yeah. So I thought that that was a good element too, because it did seem to put it more at a kid's level of like, like it. instead of just leaving them at. I give it a 10 out of five. <laughs> <laughs> cool all right well thanks for tuning in everyone this was uh kind of fun to do let us know what you think of just doing book reviews uh ellen and i are both pretty avid readers but we feel weird about doing book reviews for some reason but if this is something you'd like to hear us do more often well tell us and uh listen we have a new podcast out called irresistible grace ellen you want to tell everybody about it yeah, so we have a new episode out actually today that is about gossip. So it's um, myself and two other women just discussing kind of what is gossip and how does it manifest itself in our lives, maybe in ways we don't even realize or think about initially. Yeah, I'm excited about this podcast in general. This episode was really good. Um, you guys are still learning how to like just do a podcast and you can tell between episode one and two just the amount of growth that's happened in one episode. You guys are killing it. Um, I'm also thankful that the way you approached gossip was a, it was original. Like it wasn't the same old conversation about, um, you know, gossip is bad and we shouldn't talk bad about other people. You're really, really thoughtful about it. And I think that's what's most helpful to women, just thinking through it well. Yeah, it was helpful to think through with other women because I just kind of assumed that the way that I thought about gossip was the way that everyone else was too. And then they came with two completely different but spot on um, applications of what is gossip? How do I avoid it? How do I fight it? So yeah. it was a helpful conversation for me to have, and I'm excited for other folks to be able to listen in on it. Yeah. All right. Well, good job, babe. Um, be on the lookout for that Instagram post and enter our little giveaway and win Jesus Storybook Bible. And with that, we'll see you in two weeks. Bye, everybody. See ya. This podcast is part of Commuter Ministries. For more information about Commuter Ministries, visit us at www.commuterministries.org and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Commuter Ministries.